Good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are in the world. Uh, welcome to this uh, special webinar event uh, from the US Study Center. I'm Simon Jackman, a professor of political science and the CEO of the United States Study Center here at the University of Sydney. Uh, and of course, the Uni United States Study Center stands on the traditional lands of the Gadigal people who are part of the Eora Nation, and we pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Um, it's Thursday, the last Thursday of November, and that's Thanksgiving. Um, and um, certainly here in Australia, it's a, it's a Wednesday night on the East Coast of the United States, Thanksgiving Eve. But what we wanted to do uh, was to, a repeat of an, a, a wonderful event that we did last year when circumstances were different and we could meet face-to-face. -face. Last year, the, the U.S. Study Center uh, stood up an event at Parliament House in Canberra, where uh, the U.S. Ambassador, A.B. Culverhouse, was gracious enough to join us. And it was a fantastic turnout from both sides of the House, uh, of, of Parliament House, both sides of the aisle, as it were, um, uh, to, to, to take the opportunity of Thanksgiving, uh, but to, to use the occasion of Thanksgiving uh, as, as a prism for reflecting on the past 12 months and, and the future of the US-Australia relationship and, and all the benefits um, it delivers to, to both countries. We thought, uh, what better way to do that towards the end of the work year in Australia as, as the parliament and Australia gets ready for the summer, um, but use that occasion of Thanksgiving to, to, um, to, to, again, a retrospective and a prospective look. And that was a wonderful event. Of course, this year's circumstances uh, are different. Um, but turning adversity into opportunity, um, we're able to use this technology now, not, to, not just to have A.B. Culverhouse with us again from, from Canberra, who I will properly introduce in just a moment, but we're also joined by uh, Arthur Sinodinas, Australia's ambassador in Washington, um, who is, is bracing for, for Thanksgiving festivities um, uh, tomorrow. So let me, let me do some formal introductions and, and get the event underway. We're, we're enormously gracious to the time uh, that the two ambassadors have given us, uh, suffice to say, at, at reasonably short notice. Um, uh, I, I should add too, uh, our, our minds have been elsewhere, suffice to say, with events in, in, in recent weeks, and, and we, we might get to that as well. Um, but A.B. Culverhouse uh, uh, was nominated uh, by President Trump to be ambassador to Australia in November of 2018, uh, confirmed uh, unanimously by the U.S. Senate uh, on January 2nd, and sworn in uh, February 19, 2019, and uh, took up the role with the formal presentation of credentials to Australia's Governor General uh, on March the 13th of 2019. And quite simply, the ambassador uh, is the President of the United States, personal representative to the government and to the people of Australia. And in so doing, he leads the US mission to Australia, which not only has the embassy in Canberra, where the ambassador is today, but the, uh, I believe, um, but the three consulates in, in Melbourne, uh, Sydney, and Perth. Um, ambassador Culverhouse, or AB, as he's come, come to be known here in Australia, is a long and distinguished career of, of government service and, and, and service in the private sector as well. He has formally chaired a, a major international law firm, um, O'Melveny and Myers. Uh, over four decades of uh, association with them, 
But his career in public service goes back to the Reagan years. He uh, began as chief legislative assistant to Howard Baker, and then later as White House counsel to President Ronald Reagan, uh, President Reagan recognizing Ambassador Culver House of Service with the Presidential Citizens Medal. Um, and then later in 1992, then Secretary of Defense Dick Cheney awarded AB the Defense Medal for Distinguished Public Service for his work on the Federal Advisory Committee on Nuclear Failsafe and Risk Reduction. Um, both President Trump and the late Senator John McCain um, tapped Ambassador Culver House to head their respective searches for running mates. That's a very big job and, and, and speaks to the trust with which um, political leaders uh, in the United States have uh, regard AB and why he was such an outstanding pick uh, for Ambassador here. And a proud Tennessean, um, if, if you ever met AB, um, you, don't go, you don't go long in AB's company without uh, understanding AB's from, from Tennessee. Um, but a, a, a graduate of the NYU School of Law. Um, Arthur Sinodinus is Australia's ambassador to the United States of America and has been in that role since February of 2020. And previously, Arthur had served as Minister for Industry, Innovation and Science and a senator in the Australian Parliament from New South Wales for, for eight years, from 2011 to 2019. Um, Arthur had also had some big jobs away from the ministry, um, but um, as assistant treasurer um, in the ministry, rather away from cabinet, but, um, but one of his cabinet roles, and, and it was a really important job in the Australian system of government is, is cabinet secretary. Um, and a, a, a career in public service that dates over four decades now. Um, critically, from the perspective of the United States Study Center, um, um, Arthur was chief of staff to John Howard for nine years. Um, towards the end of that period uh, was when the United States Study Center was conceived um, uh, by and with the Prime Minister uh, John Howard, one of the indeed one of the founding fathers and prime movers for the establishment of the center back in the in the in the mid zero zeros. Um, prior to that, uh, Arthur had worked. Uh, with Mr. Howard in opposition, a senior economic advisor and Arthur's career in public service began uh, working in the public service um, in, 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 the, in the treasury. I, I wasn't aware of that till we got the full bio. Um, Arthur's also had uh, spells in the, in the public, in the private sector, uh, working with Goldman Sachs, JB Weir, NAB and, and, and various others. Uh, he's a recipient of the uh, Order of Australia for his distinguished service. Um, to, to Australian politics and government. Um, the development of economic policy and reform, and of course, uh, uh, to the Greek community here in Australia. Um, I wanna thank you both gentlemen for your, for your time and, and, and both of you sort of bringing different perspectives to bear. The, the running from where you both sit, uh, uh, an, uh, an American in Australia representing the United States and uh, an Australian representing Australia, uh, back in in the United States. Um, 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 terrific sort of set of perspectives to bring to Thanksgiving, a nice reciprocity here as, as, as I think as befits the mission of the center and, and what we're trying to accomplish today. The, the running order is for uh, some opening statements, uh, some remarks, some observations from each of you, and then we'll get into some uh, questions from, from myself. But but AB, um, if we could begin with you, thank you for your time. Um, the floor is yours, thanks. Uh, thanks, Simon. Uh, uh, it's always good to uh, 
to be with our friends and uh, partners and um, uh, 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 the U.S. Study Center, it's, it's an important relationship for us. It's, it's one that we value. Uh, I, too, uh, fondly recall the, uh, the Thanksgiving event at uh, Parliament House because it was a little bit, it was an opportunity to talk about uh, the demonstrable strides that had been made in the alliance uh, during uh, 2019. And, of course, Arthur Sinandinos is... Uh, is a uh, is a friend. I uh, in, in every respect a partner. Uh, I often find that when we've got uh, you know these little uh, ankle biter issues that uh, that could become fissures in the alliance, that uh, I can uh, reach out to Arthur. He can reach out to me, and we can uh, uh, we can make them go away. Uh, and uh, uh, the uh, I. Uh, I think I consider part of my job being uh, uh, sensitive to fault lines and fissures before they become something more important. And uh, uh, Arthur and I can often deal with those. Um, let's talk about 2020. Uh, it's thrown a lot at us. Uh, it's, uh, as I say, it's been a biblical year uh, for Australians and uh, Americans alike, uh, and biblical as in the Old Testament. Uh, the, uh, it's, uh, uh, we, uh, we are prone here at the embassy to talk about the bushfires and the smoke as if they occurred a, a decade ago, as opposed to, uh, this very same year in which we find ourselves. Uh, but, uh, and so, uh, for the Americans, for many Americans, Thanksgiving looks, uh, looks very different. And, uh, uh, we've faced unprecedented challenges that have touched the lives of, uh, of everyone, uh, one way or another. Uh, we've uh, faced uh, a global recession, uh, increased uh, strategic competition, and of course the pandemic. And uh, we've seen uh, threats emerge in new and different uh, ways. Uh, and uh, on, on this Thanksgiving day, at least here in Australia, uh, it's important that we give thanks for friends. Uh, friends matter and friends uh, matter a lot and the United States has no better uh, friend uh, in the international order than Australia. Uh, and uh, we are thankful for that relationship. Uh, partners you can trust, and Australia is a partner we trust. Uh, Australia shares our values, our interest, and Australia has been with us through uh, good times and bad, and we are thankful uh, for that. Uh, we look after one another, uh, we stick together, uh, we, uh, uh, we don't, uh, as uh, we often have to remind ourselves that uh, there are, we do have differences, and, uh, but uh, as friends, uh, we work through those differences uh, and uh, we, uh, we stand together. Uh, Australia's made uh, difficult decisions in the past year to build a safe, secure, and prosperous uh, future for this country uh, throughout the Indo-Pacific and globally. Uh, I have, uh, uh, I have uh, famously or infamously said once upon a time that we wish that uh, Australia had the uh, competence in itself that, that the United States and us Australia. I no longer say that uh, because I think Australia has stepped up uh, uh, and has taken the lead uh, uh, in, in so many ways and, uh, and good on you. Uh, together we stand for, in this region, for shared democratic values. Uh, we're uh, developing new uh, innovations that will power our economies out of COVID. And we're ensuring the peace and prosperity of, uh, of our region uh, and the world. Uh, our relationship will continue to be uh, 
uh, a force for good in the world for years to come, uh, no matter uh, what the challenges are. Uh, and uh, we'll, we will take advantage of the opportunities uh, uh, on the, in the, uh, that we face. Let me talk a little bit about the elephant in the room, um, and, and that is uh, the election. Uh, but uh, I view, uh, maybe because I uh, uh, have a little hair uh, gray in my hair and because I've participated uh, in every election since 1976, uh, every presidential election, uh, when all is said and good, uh, it, it all is said and done, we should celebrate that more than 160 million Americans made their voices heard. We had more participation uh, in our presidential election uh, than ever before. It's the largest number of Americans who participated, uh, and I think it's a clear vote of confidence by Americans in the democratic process. Uh, we, um, uh, the process continues to unfold. Uh, states are certifying the winners. Uh, our electoral college uh, doesn't meet till December 14, uh, which will uh, uh, officially designate the uh, president-elect. So uh, from my point of view, our constitutional process is working and it's working remarkably well. And it's working as our founders intended uh, and, and uh, as the creators of our constitution two, over 240 years ago intended. Our elections are often heated. They're awful and, uh, complex and intense. And I've uh, seen my fair, fair share. I um, uh, was a close observer uh, uh, of the 2000 recount in Florida. And I would just point out uh, that we are already farther along in this process today uh, than, uh, uh, the, uh, than we were uh, in Florida in 2000 uh, when uh, a transition was not authorized for 37 days. Uh, so uh, I uh, uh, so I feel that democracy is alive and well in the United States, uh, and I uh, am also uh, confident uh, that the United States will emerge uh, stronger than ever. Uh, my uh, great friend, first employer out of law school, the person who took me to the Reagan White House, Howard Baker, uh, used to talk about the self-correcting genius of the American Republic. Uh, which uh, operates uh, uh, every election almost. I remember I uh, once uh, uh, was bemoaning to him in a midterm election that I thought there had been a huge overcorrection. And this was when my party had won a huge midterm victory and had captured the House. And uh, I said, I, 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 you know, Howard, I'm a little afraid of uh, instability here. And he looked at me and he says, call the House. I taught you better than that. I taught you better than that. That's the self-correcting genius of the American Republic uh, at work as our framers intended. Uh, our framers uh, did not view a, uh, when they created our constitution uh, to create a more perfect union as an end state. It's a constant journey. Uh, and it's a journey that, uh, that reflects the dynamism of the American Republic. Uh, let's talk, let me talk a little bit about the alliance. It's, uh, our alliance is not one of convenience. It's not a transactional alliance. It's one that's built on trust. It's one that's built on shared ideals, uh, our belief in democracy, our belief in individual freedom, human rights, the rule of law. It tr transcends political divides, and it's a, um, 
it's a generous alliance. It's an alliance that cares about people in the region and in the world, uh, and that wants uh, freedom, prosperity, respect for sovereignty, freedom of the navigation over flight, uh, uh, and uh, shared uh, generosity for everyone in the region. Uh, I'm particularly grateful, uh, as I said, for Australia's confident leadership in the world in the past year. Uh, Australia has led the way, has shown real leadership in countering foreign interference, and disinformation, and cyber aggression. It stood up for freedom of navigation and overflight in the South China Sea, for the, human, for the rights of the Uyghur people uh, in China, for the civil rights of the people of Hong Kong, uh, Australia continues to support the Pacific Islands. One of our priorities is to support Australia's leadership in the Pacific Islands, and we have work to do uh, in uh, the post-COVID world in the region. And Australia also is uh, increasingly showing leadership in uh, Southeast Asia. So uh, uh, the alliance, I, I give the alliance high marks. Um, uh, we, uh, we want, uh, and let me say, uh, this is, uh, our alliance is open to all and we want freedom, prosperity, uh, and uh, security to be available to everyone. We're not excluding any country, including our great strategic competitor to the North. Uh, on the economic front, uh, that is, uh, there's work to be done. Uh, we've, uh, the pandemic has brought new challenges into sharp relief as we face recession supply chain shocks, uh, and economic coercion. Uh, I am grateful that uh, our, our two countries have resolved uh, to, uh, to help uh, both Australia and the United States and other like-mindeds uh, to grow and innovate our way out of the COVID crisis. Uh, at the uh, Osman Ministerial con uh, Consultation where Arthur and I attended in Washington in July, it, it is fair to say I think it was the most consequential Osman of our, of our, of our time. Uh, we, uh, we reached farther and made demonstrable uh, progress on, key, uh, on uh, key industries like medicines and critical minerals uh, to make those supply chains more resilient uh, and resistant uh, to economic coercion uh, as well as isolating them from the use of uh, forced labor and substandard environmental safeguards. Uh, we are also uh, together uh, deepening the robust innovation and high-tech R&D that underpins our economic uh, relationship and supports long-term economic growth. Our commitment to pushing the frontiers of technology and, and exploring space means that our alliance will continue to produce the high-skilled good paying jobs of the future. Uh, similarly, I give uh, thanks this year that uh, Australia has signed the Artemis Accords, the Space Accords as a founding member. Uh, this enables uh, our two countries to, uh, uh, to cooperate even more closely as we seek to per put the first woman on the moon, uh, to return a man to the moon, and to work towards the first human mission to Mars. Uh, this year, I'm uh, finally, I'm grateful for the efforts of, the, of our two countries to promote the peace and security of our region and the world. Authoritarian regimes increasingly seek to exploit our democratic openness and transparency through malicious activity in cyberspace and other malign behavior. Uh, in response, uh, at Osman and since, our two countries have recognized the importance of countering disinformation, 
that was a, a, a critical uh, uh, readout uh, and to-do from Osman. Uh, and uh, we've uh, created a group to monitor uh, and to respond to false narratives uh, propagated by bad actors. Uh, also, uh, from Osman, uh, we agreed to have a forced posturing, a forced posture working group uh, that are working together to modernize and our forced posture cooperation in the Pacific. Uh, citing the Marine Rotational Force Darwin as, as an example of what we need to do more of. Uh, so in, in balance, uh, particularly against the bank, uh, the backdrop of a really difficult year, uh, we have a formidable roster of shared democratic, economic, and security values and aspirations uh, and achievements. So uh, and, uh, on this Thanksgiving, I am uh, grateful for all that we've done together. I'm uh, grateful for the, the candor uh, and the increasing uh, uh, cooperation. If you, if you think about it, uh, there are so many five eyes working groups. There's so many bilateral working groups. Uh, there, is, there is so much being done uh, uh, by uh, Australia and the United States. And uh, Australia is showing uh, and is leading in many of these, uh, these respects. So it's been a great year for the Alliance. And I, I look forward to, uh, to talking more about it during the, uh, the Q&A. So uh, over to Arthur. Uh, thanks. Thanks very much. Um, I think Simon was going to introduce me. But he got I, I was. Sorry. Sorry. I was on mute I, and you jumped in. Go for it, Arthur. Thank you. Sorry, no, guys. Thanks. My, my apologies. And, uh, thanks. Uh, and thanks, AB, for a great um, summary of some of the cooperation during the year. Uh, and thank you, Simon, for the opportunity. The fact that you got quite a big group of people together for this webinar at short notice among other things, shows um, the pulling power of the centre as well, and it's going great guns under your leadership. Um, in terms of this year, um, from my point of view, part of my Thanksgiving is actually getting here, as in getting to this point in the year. Um, if you told me at the beginning of the year we were going to have a pandemic, the biggest economic contraction since the Depression, racial protests, a bitter and divisive election campaign, what seemed to be like the longest transition in the history of humanity, I think I would have said, oh, is that all happening in one year? But it has happened. And, you know, while there's, I suppose, in a sense, I'm joking about it, what I'm finding here in the States is that people are, uh, I think, relieved to be getting to the end of the year. Um, and I think a lot of people are thankful we have actually survived because COVID here is still raging. It's gone through a second wave, as it were. So for a lot of us, our physical security and health, uh, that of our family, the people we work with, <clears throat> friends, etc., has been very strongly in our minds. So you've got that overlay of anxiety on top of the anxiety induced by other things happening around us, as I alluded to before. So I'm thankful in a sense that we've gotten to this point. I'm thankful that the year is almost finishing. Um, I'm thankful that we've adapted to this environment we've been in, that we've learned better how to work from home, um, how to be disciplined and be socially distanced and exercise appropriate hygiene and everything else. 
we've learned a lot about our own character, I think. And when you do that and you learn from that, you should be thankful for that. Um, so I'm thankful for the fact that we've been able to progress the Alliance through this very difficult period. People didn't throw their hands up. They decided, no, if we can't do this physically, we'll do this virtually. Or in the case of Maurice Payne and Linda Reynolds, they made the decision, we are going to come for Osmin. It's going to be a physical Osmin. We will go back and quarantine for two weeks because that's the value we place on the relationship. And I think it's very important to understand that those decisions are not taken lightly. And as AB said, very consequential Osmin, but in a whole variety of ways, the way we cooperated during the pandemic on personal protective equipment, making sure supplies were free flowing, making sure no glitches, no misunderstandings. We really learned to work better with each other. And I think those lessons we can take into the post-pandemic recovery. Um, and I'm quite thankful having been over here in election year because I've learned so much about how this place works. And this place is different to Australia in so many ways. We're similar in a number of ways, and those similarities mean that our relationship is organic, it's not forced, but we are still different countries. And the privilege of being here in election year is to understand the importance of the constitution, the importance of the rule of law, the understanding people have about the separation of powers, the checks and balances, the fact that people here take all of this very seriously. And it's something that comes out of the history of the United States, a history of revolution, a history of civil war. I mean, you know, people have really, you know, put their lives on the line for these sorts of things. And you see it up close, particularly in a, in a year like this. So I'm thankful we've been here for that and have that learning experience. I'm also thankful that as we look forward, there's hope. We get through the winter, come the spring, there's a vaccine, things start to lighten up and we can start to do more things physically. And that will also accelerate recovery because what I've seen this year is that while the US economy has gone through a slowdown, there is tremendous power in the US economy. And the amount of firepower that is now stoking up because of the high levels of stimulus in the system, saving rates here are very high. Once people are really confident that COVID is under control, you will see how quickly that recovery will again gather pace. Very important to understand that. And that goes to my, I suppose, penultimate point, which is I'm impressed how resilient the American economy actually is. And I think one of the points that's come through to me this year is this narrative of American decline is I think a false narrative. There's a great dynamism here, but that dynamism is wrapped around massive change that is going on. Demographic change, the, the city-rural divide, a lot of urbanization occurring, parts of the country which have been hollowed out because they haven't benefited as much from globalization. That's the sort of backdrop to understanding some of the forces that have been at work here. So looking at political figures and saying, this or that figure is a disruptor, in a sense is misplaced. You have to understand why are political figures thrown up 
by the forces of the day and what it is that we need to do to address those forces. My, my final point is about this question of division in, in the US. There was division during the campaign, but this is a voluntary voting system. In a system like this, you've got to get out the vote. You've got to maximise turnout. You've got to galvanise your bases. You've got to push their buttons. It's different to the Australian system in that regard. So, of course, division will be more on display, exacerbated by the way the media has become balkanised, no doubt about it. But the important point is the division's been on display, but if I can echo Peggy Noonan in the Wall Street Journal, but look what happened. 160 million people, as AB said, went out and voted. And they voted for a combination of a relative moderate in the president-elect and a Democrat majority attenuated a bit in the House and a likely Republican majority in the Senate. The message they were sending is we want you to work together. And that's, a, if you like, a centrist message. And I, that's a message of hope in a sense. It's not my role to be a commentator on American politics. But as you see those trends, they're part of the reason to give you optimism about the future of this country. That the country can come together, have a bitterly contested election, this is the outcome, and then a new agenda comes forward and people move on. And from our point of view, as alliance partners, it's not so much about risks, it's about what are the opportunities that this agenda creates to build on the strong relationship we have and the great strides we've made under this administration over the last four years. I'll leave it there. The Q&A is always the most interesting part. <laughs> thank you, um, the AB, and, and thank you, Arthur. Um, I, I had teed up a, a question, sort of the elephant in the room question, but you both did a fantastic job, I think, of, of, of speaking to you know, the election and, and Arthur, I think the, um, look, the demonstrable compassion in, in your remarks about COVID um, and, and the toll it continues to, to take in, in the United States. And, and, you know, I can only imagine what conducting diplomacy, uh, the challenge for, for a new ambassador and the rest of the team to, to lob down in the middle of that. And um, so um, we give thanks <laughs> to the hard yards. Uh, you and the rest of the mission um, have been have been engaging because it's been a remarkable year, as both of you pointed out, and we'll get into this now a little bit. In the middle of all that, despite that adversity, it's been a remarkable year for the bilateral. Uh, the Osmin was enormously consequential, even from our distance as spectators from the other side of the world to it. Um, and, and we might we might probe that, I think, a little more than than uh, than, than dwell on um, dwell on the election. I, I thought they were both of you touched on the dynamism of, um, of of the American Republic, as a, to use AB's words. Um, and I think that's a really important thing uh, for Australians to remember. The last observation, and, and you know, this is the political science professor can't help himself here, and um, but a dual citizen as well. Um, uh, America is born of revolution and revolutionary ideas and you forget that about the united states at your peril it, it its founding is a diametrically opposed story to the australian founding in some ways um in many ways and and when you think about america and you see that tumult um, that that boils up during an election like the one we had and the year we've had 
um, remember, you've got to put that in some historical context um, and remembering that America is born of revolution uh, and a commitment to revolutionary ideas. Um, um, you keep, keep that front of mind if you can. Um, uh, after, after centuries of pointing to the First Amendment and the Second Amendment and, and, the, and, the, and the rest of the Bill of Rights and subsequent amendments to guarantee liberty and freedom and, and due process and all the rest of it, uh, you forget that they were of their time and in many parts of the world re today are revolutionary ideas um, um, taken uh, by the people, uh, not granted by a benevolent uh, legislator or, or monarch. Um, uh, very different founding stories for the two countries. Anyway, that's enough uh, editorializing from me. What I Look, um, both of you reflecting on Osman and AB, I think, touched on this. The way we see at the US Study Center, sort of, we, we're sort of inventing words for it, but alliance evolution, um, the way that, and, and AB also alluded to the way the Five Eyes working groups are standing up in other domains, like what has, I think, over a lot of its life been primarily, we say capital A alliance, we point to the military defense to defense relationship, the intelligence sharing relationship. Um, but that now becoming increasingly from where we sit as a US study center, and I throw this to both, both gentlemen, we see, and the last Osman perhaps being the, the most clear demonstration of that, that now becoming a platform for broader and uh, growing avenues of cooperation. I'm wondering if you could both elaborate a little bit on that, some of the things that we might not be so aware of, particularly when you bring you know, it's so much part of the fabric of Australian strategic thinking and what we teach kids in, in, in history classes in Australia, uh, um, ANZUS, 1950s to the present. But it, it's, it, it too is dynamic. Um, and I'm wondering if maybe AB, we could, we could just go in the order of the opening remarks. If, if I can invite you to elaborate on some of those alliance dynamics um, as, as you see them um, and, and perhaps as came to the fore in that Osmin. Well, first, uh, just let me uh, pay a tribute to the Australian government. I think the Australian government is uh, uh, post uh, its election last year has, has given uh, considered and consistent thought to um, uh, to what it uh, how it uh, sees the world and the region. Uh, uh, Prime Minister Morrison uh, has, on more than one occasion, has uh, talked about using whether it's Five Eyes or Five Eyes Plus Two or G7 plus two, uh, but using uh, existing uh, uh, situation, uh, uh, existing uh, like-minded partnerships uh, and to expand them and expand them to as uh, the foundation for economic development in the post-COVID world, uh, as the uh, foundation for development uh, uh, in, um, uh, in emerging uh, countries. Uh, as uh, as to to build uh, uh, to provide uh, relief uh, to provide vaccines and therapeutic treatment uh, in the uh, in the Pacific and in uh, and in the Southwest uh, Southeast Asia. So I I, I think the uh, what you're seeing is the Five Eyes has worked well, uh, and uh, the uh, and some of the uh, older and larger uh, international organizations uh, have been frustrating for both countries. Uh, so we've resolved to do a couple of things. One, 
uh, is to, cre to create uh, uh, situational alliances, if you will, or situational groupings is a better word, uh, uh, Simon, of uh, like-minded partnerships to, to fill the void, while at the same time, and this is uh, something that we did agree on, Osman, uh, is to uh, think more thoughtfully about international organizations and by and, and trying to uh, uh, together and with uh, with other partners to reorient them back to their their missions uh, and uh, and to have them once again be forces uh, for good and uh, uh, and for uh, constructive conduct. I mean, the U.S. Uh, has given up on uh, the World Health Organization. Uh, because uh, we, we feel like it, uh, it, it cost us five critical weeks of, uh, of uh, preparation for the pandemic, uh, but we haven't given up, and Australia uh, has not given up uh, on, on many other organizations, and we are working together. So I, uh, I, I do think what, what you're seeing is um, both uh, bridging the gap in terms of providing the immediate uh, relief uh, that needs to be uh, provided in the post-COVID world, uh, while uh, attacking uh, uh, international organizations together uh, to to make sure they're working for the benefit of everyone. Thanks, AB. Arthur? Uh, thanks. Um, I'm a lapsed economist, and we used to see the world as being economics was here, trade policy was here, security policy was over there, and never the twain shall meet. But that's not the way the world is today, as you alluded to in your question. So you're right. Uh, when we look at Osmin, we think about how will Osmin evolve? Because uh, at the recent Osmin, there was a lot of talk about things like industry integration between our two countries, uh, creating sovereign capabilities, trusted supply chains. How do we do that around critical minerals? How do we cooperate in critical technologies? Technologies which have national security implications. And as you've no, Simon, we've increasingly been putting foreign investment restrictions around some areas because of the geostrategic competition that's going on. And so for us now, um, this cross-cutting of national security and economic issues means that we've got to find a way to promote a dialogue on that. One of the things we're thinking about, frankly, is how do we have a strategic economic dialogue with the US which brings together this cooperation in these sorts of areas. And I'm thinking of AI, machine learning, quantum computing, hypersonics, critical minerals, etc. In some areas, we're making more progress than others. Critical minerals is more advanced. AB talked about space. A lot of work we can do together in space. So what's happening is out of the Alliance is being born this focus on all those technologies, which in the world that's evolving, are becoming the subject of geostrategic competition. And we have this debate going on about decoupling between the US and China. Now, no one thinks there should be complete decoupling, but there is this issue about military-civil interaction in various technologies. How do we protect ourselves? And that's, uh, and uh, AB was alluding to this, we're having to come together in the Five Eyes and other contexts to think about well, what are trusted supply chains in those sorts of areas? And what does the internet look like going forward if we want to protect it from the way some other countries want to use the internet or balkanize the internet? And what do we do about sensitive technologies so that we can have a scale up and by investing together, we have a force multiplier effect. 
So that whole debate now means that the alliance is evolving in ways which perhaps may not have been envisaged, as you said, when ANZUS was signed. Yeah. But for us in Australia, it's a great opportunity because we have great science and research. So we've got a great basis on which we can contribute and participate in this relationship. So it's an opportunity rather than a risk, but it means working with the US and with other trusted partners. Thanks, Arthur. And, and indeed, look, what you said about that, <laughs> the, it, it's the, the way that, you know, lapsed economist uh, that you are, um, that, that, that heretofore division you know, intellectually, substantively between trade and investment over here or security stuff over there. Um, that's one we've embraced at the US Study Center. It's so clear um, from both Washington and Canberra you know, the way we, we have organized ourselves, the, the, the mission set, if you will, for the US Study Center is, is, is you know, is, is adapting along, exactly along these lines that, that you're talking about. Um, so just a bit of advertising for the center and our agenda in all this too. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, look, I'm wondering, um, um, there's a, one of the questions we thought we'd, we'd put to you both is, is just in recent, weeks. Um, we've got the election and code, of course. But of course, the other thing is that um, um, the, the, the heat in, in, in the China uh, back and forth is, is, is there, you know, of course. Um, and indeed, even as we've been dealing with these other matters, um, you know, we've got Australian coal currently um, uh, may or may not subject to environmental review or whatever the, the words are. But, but back in Washington, um, you know, the fact that Australia uh, is being subject to economic coercion is, is the sort of the word of the, you know, that's, that's falling from the, from the lips of, of many commentators, both in government and out of government in Washington. I'm just, um, would love to get some perspective on that from both of you, but, but you know, what can... And should the two countries, you know, do uh, to mitigate some of this uh, economic coercion? One of the things, things we are doing and, and, and what might be some of the additional things uh, we might be doing? Uh, and if I could start with, um, again, AB, perhaps, could I come to you first on that one? You, you, indeed, your remarks yesterday, I thought, were, um, were on point. So this should be top of, top of mind if it wasn't already. <laughs> Well, I, uh, I may have gotten a little out over my skis yesterday, but uh, uh, the, uh, it, it, it's, uh, I think the, uh, the PRC's economic coercion threats and, and actual, and uh, I'll let Arthur speak to uh, what is real and, and, and what is spoken, uh, but uh, it's, it's been concerning to watch. Uh, and uh, it, it, it occurs uh, to us that uh, at, at least um, uh, in, in its uh, wolf warrior diplomacy that, uh, that uh, the PRC is uh, looking to, uh, uh, to make an example out of Australia, and that's quite concerning. But it also shows that, uh, the, uh, that the threat that an autocratic government uh, who can use the whole of country uh, I mean, these SOEs are not, uh, they're part of the government. Uh, we, and, uh, and, and what used to be a lot of the private uh, uh, PRC companies are now part of the government. And so use the whole of government 
uh, to uh, to advance uh, their their strategic policies, and it, and it, and it looks like that uh, uh, that they are tr- engaging in actual economic coercion against against Australia, and that is uh, quite concerning. It also shows what can be done in strategic supply chains. Arthur mentioned critical minerals. Uh, we are dependent upon. Uh, uh, and and uh, different uh, experts and, di- and our, both our governments count differently, but whether it's six or 16 or 24, there are critical minerals that we are dependent upon. I, I was just up at uh, the Newcastle at uh, Raft Williamtown the other day. Uh, there was a new delivery of F-35s coming in. There are 430 something pounds of uh, critical minerals in each and every one of those airplanes. And the processing for, uh, for a, a fair number of those minerals. Right now it goes to the People's Republic of China. Uh, these, the word industrial policy does not come out of my mouth easily in <laughs> my politics, uh, but, uh, uh, but we're gonna have to engage in that. We are, uh, yeah. and, and, and uh, our two countries together with China, uh, I'm not China, with uh, Canada and with others uh, uh, have comparative advantages, but we're gonna have to, to, to pick some winners and to provide some support. Uh, and we're going to have to make sure that in the next pandemic that we are not looking around and trying to figure out where we're gonna get our, uh, our mask, our, our, our shields, uh, our ventilators. Uh, so there, there's, uh, uh, but, but it's gonna take the people rolling up their sleeves, working together and say, we're, these supply chains uh, are, are strategically important uh, and, and they may be you know, quite, pedestrian uh, but if but, but you, without without masks you really can't deal with the pandemic and uh, we're going to have to uh, uh, to deal cooperatively but um, I'll, I'll let our lapse economists uh, speak more intelligently as he will uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I do think uh, uh, I think we're gonna have to engage in some industrial policy and uh, we're farther along in critical minerals but a lot of other frontier technologies uh, uh, and, and then uh, pharmaceuticals. Uh, a right. lot of the, uh, the, uh, the, the basic ingredients for, for uh, pharmaceuticals, uh, uh, we don't have strategically reliable supply chains, and we're mm-hmm. going to have to figure that out. Thanks. Thanks, uh, AB. Look, um, from where we, we sit, we want a strong and prosperous China. It's in our region. It's a big power. It's going to keep growing one way or the other. This is not about containing or making it a permanent number two, but this is about how we have a reasonable dialogue with China about how it fits into an international system that we can all live with. In other words, where there's a common set of rules and where you don't just set the rules because you happen to be the strongest. We've been the beneficiaries in Australia of the fact that the US in one of the most unselfish acts of history, of enlightened self-interest really as well, you know, put up the global rules-based order in 1945, which encompassed both friends and enemies. That was the great lesson out of Versailles. And that system is not just a cliche, it's a whole series of rules around law, trade, law of the sea, IP, you go through the list. Um, These are all the things that allow countries to work and live with each other peacefully and prosperously. And what we are saying to the Chinese is that yes, we want them to be part of it, but there are rights and there are responsibilities. And going forward, if we don't wanna be picked off 
in the way that perhaps some are saying with economic coercion, it's best if we and like-minded work together. Now, part of it may be, as AB said, through critical supply chains for critical technologies. Uh, that's part of it. But part of it is just making sure that China knows that by working together, we are promoting that rules-based order. So, for example, whether it was Trump 2.0 or a Biden administration, we were going to come back to the US considering its membership of the Trans-Pacific Partnership in due course. We know that's not on the agenda early on because trade at the moment is a bit of an issue in the States and there's more of a focus on getting the domestic economy more competitive. But the Trans-Pacific Partnership without the US is like Hamlet without the Prince. <laughs> the US is in it. The US gets to set the rules for the region in a way that promotes open trade and investment. That's what makes for quality economic recovery. So from our point of view, the signal we want to send out to a future administration is very much keep engaging. Bring the old band back together again. The allies have to be together and work together and the like-minded. If we do that, the calculus of benefit and cost for China will change. The weight of numbers, of population, of GDP will have an impact. But we have to show that we're working together. Yeah. Um, Hamlet with that. I'm going to use that one. Thanks, Arthur. <laughs> uh, the TPP. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very, very good. Um, what I want to do, we're, we're down to about 10 minutes to go. So I, I want to just make sure we, we cover off uh, two, two matters. And, and, and one is, I mean, polls that our, our research at the US Study Center shows this, but, but younger Australians seem, you know, less enamored, or less understanding or less appreciative of, of, the, of the alliance. Um, and, and, and other democratic institutions, um, by the way, um, 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 in general. Um, um, at the same time, though, it looks like, you know, we've seen a bit of, you know, different polling in the US suggests that there's sort of, if, if anything, more support uh, for alliances. And, and, and like many things in the US, that does fault on, on partisan lines. But, but for both of Arthur, just uh, AB rather, pardon me, based on your time, in Australia, just your read on that as, you, as you've been ambassador and, and, and around the country here, um, uh, what is it that, that, that young people aren't getting necessarily and, and perhaps what should be done about it? And, and I, guess, I guess, Arthur, you, you've seen that from both sides now as an, as an Australian politician and, and working you know, alongside in particular John Howard for a long time at a moment where the Alliance was under great strain and, and, and um, in the Iraq war but now as ambassador, I just appreciate your observations on sort of this, this age gradient, if you will, um, around, around the Alliance, support for the Alliance. Great question, Simon. And uh, we, we've talked about it, but uh, our polling, uh, you know, I mean, your polling, uh, other polls in Australia, our own internal polling sure. uh, shows uh, that uh, the, uh, the under 30 cohort in Australia is less supportive of the alliance and for that matter, less supportive, somewhat less supportive of democracy uh, than, um, yep. uh, than other Australians. Uh, I, I think it's because, I mean, uh, some of the faults well, uh, with us, 
Uh, it's, uh, it's the alliance is not as relevant to younger people, I think, uh, one. Uh, uh, we need to freshen it up and uh, I think uh, reaching out economically, broaden it to broadening the, uh, the alliance uh, uh, to, uh, to make sure that people understand that we're working together on the innovation economy, working together on space, on frontier technologies. We're looking, working again on the te working together on the jobs of the future. Uh, the, most Australians don't, still don't know that the United States is their largest and most important economic partner. Uh, uh, yes, China is the largest trading partner, but uh, but uh, uh, we uh, uh, U.S. Uh, direct and foreign investment in Australia provides about six uh, seven percent of the GDP, according to this uh, uh, Deloitte study. So mm -hmm. we're we're uh, uh, but uh, and, and part of it is I, I think uh, we've just got to reach out to the younger Australians, find more in different ways. Uh, and uh, I'm not so sure that uh, we have figured it out, uh, particularly with uh, uh, the uh, diverse media, uh, but uh, we need to make it relevant to younger Australia because all of this hard work we're doing, these hard yards, as you said, uh, is for them. Uh, it's for them. Uh, you know, Arthur and I both believe in the Alliance. You don't have to convince us. We need to, <laughs> <laughs> we need to convince them. Uh, yeah. but, uh, uh, it's it, it, there is a little difference between the United States, uh, but uh, in in the U.S. Uh, but I, I think we and, and part of it is uh, to use it, since we're talking about old movies. But uh, it's like the inspector in Casablanca re, uh, uh, said, you know, the uh, the Nazi colonel just got uh, uh, shot to round up the usual suspects. I think some of our outreach is to the usual suspects, and we need to do more to. Um, uh, to reach out to parts of the Australian uh, populace. Uh, they don't hear from the American ambassadors. They don't hear that much about the alliance. Uh, but uh, what we do together is so fundamentally important to them. Arthur. Well, uh, I think it, it's a very interesting question. Um, I think young Australians know a lot about the US in terms of culture. Yeah. A huge amount. Yeah. I think in that sense, they get the US on that basis. But that whole broader strategic stuff we're talking about here, to some extent, has become a backdrop. It's sort of part of the furniture and maybe it's taken for granted. It's a bit like the arguments around globalization. Every so often, you've got to refresh the arguments and explain why something is what it is and what is it used for and how is it relevant to people's needs going forward. So, so the question for the alliance going forward is, okay, Yes, security is important, but what is it doing about economic benefit? What is it doing about the climate? What is it doing about X? What is it doing about Y? You, you always have to think about relating what you're doing to what people's concerns are. Um, but I find among young Australians, a lot of them very keen to come here. Yeah. Very keen to work here. And, you know, it's a cliche, but it's true. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And I still marvel. <laughs> At the Australians I see, you know, through Advance and other organisations who are doing great things here in, in the US. And, you know, frankly, that is the US's best advertisement, is those people-to-people -people links. Because when people come here, they see how different it is to what they see on television, which is always, or the media, which is always focusing on negatives. That, that perhaps gets us close to our, our end point. And look, there's nothing better than Thanksgiving, frankly, for... I'm just reflecting on my own first years in the US. Couldn't believe Thanksgiving. Just what a what an, an event 
that was where, oh, there's some expo- young Australian guy is studying. There's no way he's celebrating Thanksgiving on his own. People would take you into their house yeah. and just expose you. And that generosity of spirit um, and, uh, and that, that, that good on you, Arthur, for, for putting that in play towards the end of our time here because um, it, it's, it's such a vital part of the relationship and um, can't wait till we can get traveling again and, 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 uh, and all the expatriates that have come home and <laughs> <laughs> they don't come back. If they could go back to New York. Thanks. That'd be great. Although nice little hit to the real estate market here as they're looking for a place to live. But, but, um, but, 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 but well said Arthur. It's, it's a huge, huge part of the story. Um, um, we, we, we tend to focus as is natural in a conversation like this, on the big heavyweight, the free trade agreements and the ANZUSes and the rest of it and the Osmins. But uh, one thing I learned straight away running the US Study Center, being here in Sydney, um, the business community, number one, who are transacting the lifeblood of the relationship hour by hour out of the Sydney CBD and Melbourne and whatnot, all of that and the investment uh, flow between the two countries, number one. But then the people, the people that, that I'm you know, myself, I'm, I'm kind of a, a case study to, to no small measure. Look, last question, we're, we're down to about two three, two, three minutes. And I just thought um, we could perhaps put a Thanksgiving theme around this, if you like, gentlemen. But um, a common misunderstanding Australians have about the US and maybe vice versa uh, might be a nice way for our, 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 our audience here, a mix of Australians and Americans, to, to hear from both of you. Um, and I'll let you swing at that however you see fit um, with the Thanksgiving theme, in mind or not, but AB, uh, your, yours. Well, the, uh, uh, some, sometimes, I mean, Americans, uh, we are excessively uh, confident. Uh, we, <laughs> we, speak in, uh, we speak in broad brush terms. Uh, I find a bit of what... Uh, I, I, what we, when the U.S. government talks about that we, we wish allies would do more, we wish uh, like-minded would do more, the natural uh, instinct of Australians is uh, that uh, we're talking about them. And no, we're not. Uh, almost invariably <laughs> not. We're talking about, I mean, Australia is our, you know, we say it and we mean it that Australia is our closest friend, our closest, uh, one of our closest, very closest allies. And I'd probably say that if I was ambassador to London too, uh, but, uh, but probably uh, maybe not uh, because I wouldn't, I wouldn't survive very well there. But, but uh, it was, uh, but, but I, I, I think um, we can de- we could uh, be a little more careful, but on, on the other hand, I, um, I, I really, we, we uh, I, I do think Australia has so much capacity for leadership, uh, and I uh, and, uh, and Australia has been showing that. But we would like to see Australia. I mean, it, it is hugely respected in the United States. It's hugely respected uh, in the region, and I'm thankful for that on this Thanksgiving Day. Well said, uh, Arthur. Well, look, while we must never be smug about our values the sort of liberal democratic values that we share in common are important for everybody. I call them decent, humane, universal values. And a time like this is to give thanks for those sorts of values and for the things we can do to advance those values. And we reflect on a century or more of mateship and the fact that people have laid down their lives for these values. So for me, 
it's a time to reflect on that. And just very briefly, James Wolfenson has passed away, a great progenitor of the relationship between Australia and America, typical of the great cross-fertilisation. And today I'm also thankful that Kylie Moore Gilbert has been released by the Iranians, finally. Great diplomacy, quietly behind the scenes by our people. But again, thankful for all the things we do to try and get people freed, get them to exercise their freedom uh, and contribute together, the two countries, towards a better world. Great note to end on, um, uh, that, that was great news um, coming uh, and well done. Well, I'm sure a lot of people behind the scenes have been working their tails off on that one. Um, um, and let me thank you too, uh, by the way, that was a remarkably like the, frank and informal exchange. Uh, I, I was really struck by it. And let me thank you for that generosity. Um, um, often, if we'd done this at Parliament House, um, it probably would have been a little more stuffy than this. Um, but this had a great flow to it and great back and forth. And I'm sure everybody on the call picked up on that. Um, just remarkable. Um, and uh, it's a shame it, it, we only get to do it once a year, but maybe it doesn't have to be that way. Maybe we could have chats like this <laughs> a little more often. But, but terrific that we did it. Thank you for the hour you've given us. Um, uh, happy Thanksgiving there at the embassy, Arthur. I know you've got, uh, AB rather, you've got plans uh, later in the day and, and good luck for tomorrow, um, Arthur Sinodinus up at White Oaks there. Um, uh, enjoy, enjoy the day. There's a bottle of red waiting for you. <laughs> I look forward to it. <laughs> right. Thank you, gentlemen. All right, take care.